Opportunities and Challenges in Modern High-Performance Bonding. Dear audience, my name is Ludmila Der. I'm the Managing Director of Elite Experts Conferences and I would like to welcome you to the next episode of the Elite Experts Conferences podcast. Whether at live events or in the digital world, we bring together cool promising tech startups with exciting innovative global players and generate a platform where the world of sustainable technology meets. Get to know the different companies, but also the inspiring leader personalities behind these brand names. Our motto is towards a better and cleaner future through knowledge transfer and technology. Today we have four exciting guests on our podcast from a company that I'm very much familiar with. I worked there for several years in R&D and had global responsibility for customers such as BMW Group and Fiat Chrysler Group for technology in the direct glazing sector. It is Swiss company Zika. Zika is known worldwide in the construction industry, but also in the automotive industry when it comes to bonding and when it comes to sealing. Having worked in this field myself, it is particularly exciting for me today to hear from our four experts what has happened in the last few years and where the special opportunities for bonding in modern automotive construction exist. So I would like to welcome the following guests. David Tobler as Corporate Head Transportation and Aftermarket Business, Piero Della Mura as Market Field Engineer Transportation, Florian Altenwegner as Product Manager Automotive Assembly Line, and Jesse Bredier as Corporate Business Development Manager Structural Bonding. And now let's start our panel discussion Opportunities and Challenges in Modern High Performance Bonding. David, let's start with a general overview. How has the bonding landscape changed over the last 10 years? What are the main developments? So what we see in the market is that regulation had a significant impact in terms of the way vehicles are built. One example is the introduction of the Euro 6 engines that led to a tremendous work towards lightweighting, especially buses. What we also see is that the lack of labor, lack of qualified labor is uh, driving automation. For the ones who know an, an automotive factory, there everything is kind of highly automated. A bus plant or rail plant looks completely different. So here we have uh, many more people assembling the parts because of smaller series production. And also the use of adhesives is uh, spread across the whole production line. In the past couple of years, we had several projects with customers towards uh, realizing automation projects related to the use of adhesives in their plants. If we look into um, the metal fabrication, we see there especially a lack of qualified welders. These are kind of highly searched qualifications. They're also highly paid. Um, and that's these leading to additional automation projects also in The weld job environment, we are using the term weld job generally, not body shop in the commercial transportation market. And what we see there is that many engineers are not aware that adhesive bonding could be an option to use a different kind of labor and could offset that lack of uh, welders. As a last thing, we also see that electrification for sure has an impact into um, the uh, commercial transportation market. 
die established players are typically uh, taking out their diesel tanks and diesel engines. They are replacing them with batteries, but they're not really changing the design of the vehicle yet. For example, also on the roofs, you can uh, place batteries because most bus roofs, for example, they are built to um, carry the load of LNG tanks. So they're already structurally uh, stiff enough to um, also have some batteries up there. What we see there is that uh, there are many startups. I mean, it's a similar bit to the uh, automotive industry where Tesla was uh, leading some way of uh, how to build an EV. The uh, startups are typically taking a different route, new chassis structure. So we also see here the skateboard design like we see in uh, the car industry where basically the battery is built into the floor and results in a structural integral and stiff uh, construction underneath. What we also see is that um, these startups are typically trying to do things different. There's an example uh, with for uh, arrival in the, the UK, who have, for example, developed their own reinforced composite material to uh, build the outer skins of their vehicles. They do this also to um, basically avoid uh, the build of a paint job so they can color these things and they can generate uh, different color vehicles uh, without the big investment into uh, paint jobs. So we see similar concepts like this uh, throughout uh, the entire industry. Thank you very much for a very nice introduction and the overview of the developments for the last 10 years. And yes, definitely we see some trends that are very, very important and influencing the bonding trends also. And Piero, let's go also a bit deeper into the details and try to add some figures to what David just said. So if we look at transportation market, what is currently the percentage distribution of welding, screwing and bonding? So is the willingness to bond growing more and more? Do you see this trend as well? Well, uh, let's say that the first part of the question is almost impossible to answer. The point is that uh, this type of uh, distribution is pretty much depending, first of all, on what application are we considering. I mean, it's pretty clear that if we are talking about glass bonding, probably it's 75-80% is bonding as a fixation and not uh, anymore with gasket. There are still parts, but relatively minor and uh, in different areas. When you go to the metal working, uh, there's a metal joining in the transportation market, apart from uh, some markets like truck manufacturing, etc., it's pretty much mostly welding or screwing or riveting and the likes. Uh, this is uh, the, the why it's impossible to put a number uh, to that. What is for me pretty clear that there is willingness more and more to bond. And this is coming from different aspects. It's coming from sometimes from regulatory aspects. Sometimes it's coming from cost-driven factors in terms of workmanship. Sometimes it's coming even from the difficulty in finding some type of workmanship. And therefore, you know, it's everybody, everything is like a little bit trickling down. So if you're going into the uh, heavy machinery working where the bonding was quite not existing, the trend is changing to go either to a pure bonding of subpart or to a hybrid bonding. That means combining mechanical traditional fixation together 
with, uh, uh, with bonding to achieve different things that could be maintaining a stiffness with lowering weight and this type of things. Thank you very much that you still managed to answer an impossible question. And it gives us still an, a guess how it actually looks like and how it develops. And we will definitely go more in the details in the further discussion. And now, Florian, the educate your customer approach, let's call it like this, now, is very important in bonding. What prejudices against adhesives are you still fighting against these days? Could you summarize that a bit? Yes, the summarization is quite easy. So bonding is still a, a question of faith. So that means sometimes our argumentation is more close to the argumentation of the church compared to argumentation of, the, of an industry engineer. Which do you means, believe in that, right? <laughs> yeah, do you believe in that? There's a reason for why this building trust is, is on, on, on our business card. So it's really the trust topic is, is quite important for adhesives. So it's still not 100% understood why it works. And you're still fighting um, engineers. And that means uh, you have people around you who usually, when they have all children, play around and, and take some stuff and draw a picture, stick it to the wall, and two days later it comes off because they didn't really know how to, to bond something on a wall. But uh, when they use a nail and a hammer, they get some troubles with the parents, but finally the picture stays where it is. So you will really have to, to fight still this topic. What I do not really understand, this I'm not really wants to, to use, especially when I have to put a signature below. So the biggest topics are still right now is uh, to give the customer and give the people really the trust and the faith into a bonding technology to really explain them what is, is the process behind, why it is so important to have a stable process from the very first beginning until the end to reduce the impact factors. Because uh, there is always the topic we had uh, now uh, sometimes the word welding. But when you go to an engineer and say, come on, please weld something, and he never used a welding machine, it's nearly impossible for him to really make a spot welding or something like that. But go to anybody in the world and give him a tube of adhesive and say, come on, bond it together. And this is the good and the bad thing in one situation. So he will get some strength somehow, but it will not be 100% perfect. And so... In the end, you have to say, hey, if you're not blocking the adhesion in the end, it has to work somehow. So it's uh, when you don't do anything wrong, it will work. And this is really the biggest topic what we have to, to discuss with the customer in the end and with the engineers, that this is really this trust topic and do it right and then it will work and you will have a lot of fun over a lot of years. And trust always starts with understanding something, with knowledge. And we will try within this podcast to build some knowledge and actually in the end to build some trust as well. Perfect. So, Jesse, when you look at your business development activities in the recent years, do you also see a connection between the desire for lightweight solutions and willingness to use bonding? So how strong is this connection? Maybe you could also give some practical examples. What I would say is the desire, to, to use your wording, desire or the must, uh, the must have of, of having lighter, lighter object is today really a must because just if you are, for example, manufacturing TV sets, you want to have it lighter just to, to have an easier transport and to make it user-friendly behind for your, for your customers. So this desire of lightness is, is, is really everywhere and it's an argue. And I was using the, the example of the TV because today that's an argue to have lighter TV. Why? Because it's less CO2 to exhaust when you transport it. And of course, it is also true for bus, trucks, or, or whatever, but this we, we all know. 
So this desire of lightness is everywhere. But the question mark is how to do. Just using bonding will not solve, solve, really solve you the, the, the situation. The, what is the beauty of the bonding is that it's opening new possibility for the engineers. So at, through two things to two, uh, to two possibilities. First of all, to make it lighter, you have to use less material, as simple as that. So if instead of using a three millimeter thickness, you are using a two millimeter thickness of metal, Ah, that's a huge, huge saving. It's 30% saving, which is absolutely fantastic. But that's bring you some issues behind because if you drill and you f- if you weld some uh, parts which are really light, you may have some issue. You will destroy your material. So that's a, a, a big problem that the engineers are facing. And the bonding will respect your material. When you are bonding, you are absolutely not damaging the material. You are not drilling, you are not making a hole, you are not weld- welding, changing by temperature the structure of the of the of your material. And that's firstly a, a strong connection. Thanks to the bonding, that's you can reduce the thickness of your material and have lighter parts. And that's I think where there is a very strong connection. And we can see now some parts which are thinner and because a lot of progress are done in the design. And thanks to the bonding, we can keep this, uh, this design and have no issue with the welding or the screwing. That was the first point. The second point is also the possibility to combine new, to use and to combine new materials thanks to the bonding. So for example, when you look at agricultural machines or trucks or cars, they have more and more plastics and composite today which are bringing really an efficient solution to be lighter. But this material, you cannot join them with traditional method, traditional in, traditional weld, spot welding, traditional screwing, traditional riveting. And so this is where the, the bonding will also open a lot of possibilities to, to, the, to the designer and the engineer department of our customers. And that's, I think, where the connection is very strong. The bonding is a tool to do a link, and this link opened, this new method of linking the material opened several possibilities to have lighter material. This is where we have really progress. We are bringing a progress to our customers, and they are really, they have the willingness to move forward with, with our solution. And you were asking, for example, you see that everywhere. I was mentioning TV screens. TV screens are today lighter thanks to bonding and the use of new material. And you see that in, uh, of course, special vehicles, like all these electrical vehicles, they must be light because the battery is so heavy, so they have to compensate somewhere for sure. And so here you can see plastic and composite which are bonded together. And you have tons of examples like that in our daily life. You just have to have a look and you, you see that. So basically, when I summarize that, that bonding even gives a lot of degrees of freedom for design, and it also helps to save you the cost and in the end also the CO2. No? So, and let's go one step further. The transportation market and the entire mobility sector are undergoing major changes. And actually, David, you already mentioned that with all the new players are joining and established companies are reinventing themselves and new business models are emerging. So, David, is this then precisely the new players who actually bring an advantage because they have a very fresh outlook anyway? So question everything that has been known so far and probably also have significantly fewer prejudices against bonding, which Florian just mentioned earlier. So what are your experiences with it? Yeah, basically, I think the adhesive bonding technologies 
typically used for a purpose. I mean, uh, Jesse and Floria mentioned this uh, pretty well. It's about um, materials you couldn't weld to the structure. So typically engineers are first looking into the materials they want to they wanna use to achieve a certain target. And then uh, basically the adhesives are, are following on that. Comparing uh, the established players and the new players, I think established players have maybe a bit of a burden of uh, existing investments into manufacturing, into ways they do things. And changing this is maybe done in smaller steps. So I refer here to a discussion I had with, uh, with an engineer at, uh, at a large truck manufacturer who said uh, they, would, they would go for adhesive bonding in their body shop if they could, but they have to follow kind of a brownfield approach. In their manufacturing, there is a lot of equipment. It's investment that goes along. Whereas maybe the uh, new players, they have to build it on a green field. They have also to uh, consider that the traditional way of manufacturing things with a serial line production, with paint jobs, etc. This is a huge investment and it's typically only making sense if you go for large-scale production. So many startups, they are planning with significantly smaller amounts of vehicles. Doesn't need to be like this, can also um, be scaled bigger. But there we see for sure different materials being used because they are significantly more attractive for the production of, of such vehicles. And that's a strong enabler then for adhesive bonding technology. We as Sika, we are on that track. I mean, we have, uh, we have developed a large number of solutions particular for these new materials, thermoplastics, uh, composite materials, for fast and easy implementation in the uh, manufacturing lines. Let me ask you something regarding that. I mean, you are mentioning like, okay, sometimes you have like big series, sometimes you have smaller series. Do you have like a limitation at Zika, which project you take? So which projects you support or you can go as small as possible? So basically, if it's super highly interesting for you, you're just allowed to go for it. I mean, yeah, we are we are basically interested in partnering also with uh, smaller companies. And I have to say, I see that innovation is uh, taking place much more in the smaller players. We have uh, built a partnership with uh, Iversum, which is a small startup in uh, Slovenia. So it's an Austrian uh, Slovenian company planning to build buses in a, in a new segment, electrical buses. We are cooperating with such companies on a, on a very close level, supporting them on their journey to go to market. We are also working with many bigger players. So I would say there is not really a, a limit. What we for sure do is we assess a bit the situation, whether yeah, the company will have a chance to fly in the long run. And yeah, so having the person contact seeing what they what they are talking about maybe also seeing the premises gives you that confidence that you're putting your money on the right horse okay thank you very much for your honesty <laughs> actually let's go one one step further so during my time at zika i managed r&d projects for two oim customers right so it was bmw and it was fiat chrysler group so which is now part of stellantis That's why I know so well that Zika is very often a great, brilliant development partner because many projects are created from scratch in close collaboration with the customers. So 
Piero, now a question for you. You have seen, I guess, a lot of projects in your seeker practice. So would you say that this approach of developing together and involving Zika as early as just possible is the most efficient uh, method and avoids the most mistakes? Would you say that? I would say that uh, yes to the second part of the question. So, of course, the early approach is the best for what concerns a good practice to avoid further mistake down the road. What we face very often in transportation is that customers are pretty much considering more the materials they need to fix rather than the adhesive itself. So they are looking at the properties of, I don't know, the composite, the metal, the glass, this and the other, tolerances, this and the other, and only as a second step we go to the adhesive. And sometimes we can get some uh, additional challenges out of, for, uh, out of this uh, scope. Ideally, typical would be having all the three parties beginning the project together. I know this is not always easy because that means selecting all the parts just from the start of the product, but uh, that would be the ideal because then you can look at what concerns, first of all, what you want to achieve uh, mechanically. Do you need some, uh, how much you need to transfer loads or not? Uh, it's a relatively small application or it's a big one. So there are a number of uh, different aspects which we can you can look at uh, tolerances, dimension, and even what is for us most important, the dimensions and the possibility, the location for the adhesive that has to to have the right dimensions. If we want to use a structural adhesive and I have a five millimeter gap, that's probably taking away a lot of the advantages of, uh, of a high-performing adhesive. So you have to look at this from the beginning. Then you have to look at the suitability for the process because that's uh, on one side, the guys on the line or in the production hall, how easy can they apply the adhesive and uh, how is the access to the place? Is that happening? There is need of pretreatment or no need of pretreatment? So all these things can be considered at the beginning. And even you have to say if it's suitable for the process. If I want to bond something before a painting process, then I need to have certain type of quality of performances of the adhesive. If I want to bond something, let's say in the trim shop, so after the painting, then I have completely different type of scenarios. All these things you can clarify from the beginning. What is really sometimes frustrating is when you learn at the end that this application that was done always before the paint is now moved after the paint shop. And if you learn it late in the stage, that brings some, um, some challenges. Under this point of view, we had relatively recently an application case. We were talking about um, a very nice modular uh, roof bonding and the approach which has followed has been exactly like that. So what we could do at the first was uh, decide the type of adhesive in terms of the mechanics of the adhesive itself. The second, giving all the data so that the customer and the sub-supplier could run their FEM uh, uh, simulation and stuff to look at the suitability of the things. Then looking at the properties in terms of curing of the adhesive in order to have the right curing times and process time, etc. And then we run into first the prototyping and then a real production. And it went almost smoothly, even if it was quite an innovative type of project. So that's the ideal scenario. Of course, it's not always happening. Now we will come also to some real life examples, I guess, in the course of the discussion. 
Florian, could you please also share some facts and figures with me and our listeners? So where is Zika nowadays involved in the especially automotive sector when it comes to bonding and sealing? Because currently we talked about the transportation and now let's focus on the automotive sector for a while. <laughs> yeah, in automotive, I think Zika is really a, a, a big supplier and really have a broad field. And uh, you mentioned before you worked for direct glazing and still for sure direct glazing is is the milk of a supermarket, which really means you, uh, when you go to a supermarket, you really expect there is some milk there, even if it's not the most profitable business in the world. But finally, you expect to have it. And so uh, still direct leasing is also for Sika still a, a very, very important business where we have approximately a market share in the world from approximately now from 30% roundabout, which is nearly the maximum because uh, most of the companies have your uh, second supplier strategy so that means more than that market share is nearly impossible and for sure still uh, the body in white where we are bonding uh, the, the car body itself together with 1k epoxies usually hot curing which means they are pre-applied have some spot weldings and after the e-code oven it's more or less fully cured which brings a high stiffness and, and damping effects to the car body itself. But when you go a little bit far from the OEM production, you see really you have a lot of possibilities, especially at the tier one suppliers. So that means in the OES market. So especially the OES market is, uh, is a very nice combination of, of automotive and typical industry, which means you have a lot of different substrates, you have a lot of different possibilities. The design is always different, but in the end, everything has to fit in, a, in an automotive process, which makes it sometimes a little bit complicated. And there we have still, uh, especially headlamp business. So when you bond the lens to the housing, for example, this is still polycarbonate to polypropylene. So that means it's thermoplastic to thermoplastic. You have only, we have 35 million headlamps a year, what we are bonding together. And you can imagine, yeah, every car has two headlamps, so it's a quite simple calculation how many headlamps are really produced in the world. And you need a really, really high um, accuracy, you need a high quality of the bond itself, a high process to really fulfill everything. So it's, it's a quite, quite hard, hard business in, in there. But when you really move on and say, okay, this is a quite well-known technology right now, You have also uh, especially roof modules and full thermoplastic tailgates nowadays. So that means in the past you had always this, this bottom load roofs, which means you have a cut of your car roof and there is from bottom up is just implemented the opening roof. But now you have this top load, which means the full roof inclusive all with the covers is mounted from the top. So that means you have polycarbonate covers in the top end you have polycarbonate to steel so quite critical uh, bond I would have to say a lot of different thermal elongation and the companies wants to fit everything in an automotive process that means how to bond uh, such a cover that you can bond it and finalize the, the, the joining in, in 20 or 30 minutes after so the curing speed Processability, robustness has a really, really high impact there. And this market is, is growing a lot, especially all the plastic bonding. You mentioned it before, there's the freedom of the design is here the main driver. With the e-mobility right now, the, the importance of lightweight design is a little bit reduced. Because when you add a 1.5 tons battery in the bottom of a car, uh, this 100 kg in the top end is not so important anymore. 
you get also the energy back a little bit from the braking systems, which means the, the weight of such a heavy car is not so important anymore. So really this freedom of design is nowadays has a really, really high uh, importance. And with all the autonomic driving systems, which means this, uh, the sensors around polycarbonate plants, polycarbonate covers, becoming really more and more important. That means for, for us, Sika uh, is investigating right now uh, a really a lot of um, energy um, to, to develop and bring products into the market that you can bond these polycarbonate plants and polycarbonates without any pretreatment directly on their parts in a high processability. So that means really 90, 90 seconds open time, what you need to, to join the part. But in the best case, you have just four minutes of curing and then you want to handle the part. So and this is, this is really something that uh, is, is, is quite uh, interesting now and also for the futures. And full thermoplastic tailgates is, is also a trend which is, I think, in Europe not so common right now. So we just started with that. When you really look uh, to the JOEMs and to, to, to Asia, this is more or less standard for them. Because the design of the tailgate is a little bit special. That means uh, nobody wants to produce a stamping tool for that, for that shape. So uh, you have a lot of possibilities here in the automotive to go with new technologies, with more or less chemical pretreatment less uh, on, on the plastics, without negative impact on the plastics, like stress cracking or so on. So there's a really big field where we have here, especially the OES business for bonding in the future. The e-mobility topic is something that is worth, uh, I think, a podcast for its own. <laughs> uh, I have now a very nice déjà vu actually listening to you. And let me also um, combine that with uh, what uh, David just said, actually, because you mentioned also some classical applications and you mentioned also, and David also before, that there are also some new applications coming from EVs. Yeah. So do you see also that new players are more willing also to change automotive applications that are meant to be classic? So are they also there in those fields also brave enough to do some changes? Or you see only that they start from, like it was said before, like from the green field, only when it comes to batteries and only when it comes really to electromobility? You see mainly really a greenfield approach also also on the battery itself, but you don't see so many changes right now in the other fields. So that means really, although due to the fact that people have just a few engineers around and they are all working right now on the battery topic, which means you really have to bring a, a technical benefit and a really high technical benefit that you just now really change adhesive bonds in, in the classical fields. So that means uh, only to speed up uh, two minutes or only to reduce the pretreatment um, about uh, three minutes. Nobody will really start something like that. When you now say, hey, come on, uh, I have now pretreatment less or I can't completely reduce the risk of stress cracking, for example. This is something where really they start to move on and they really left a little bit also the classic uh, route uh, to, to uh, success. And they start really to start a little bit more be risky to say, okay, come on, let's get to a new approach. E-mobility is really greenfield. That means uh, at, at the moment, the people are running around and go away and they don't have no idea what is growing up. Is it, is it corn or is it something else? So uh, the future will, will really show what technology will be uh, really the winner of this. 
because at the moment you have five different companies and four different approaches and in these four different approaches you have also completely different thinking uh, if is the process the main driver is the final performance the main driver so this is in automotive and bonding right now i think the biggest challenge is really to find out what what is really the future and and the driver seat unfortunately right now is more is more the automotive industry itself it's not us it's more or less the automotive industry right now and we have to come to a point that uh, we can also be back in the driver's seat to say, hey, this is the right technology for that what you need. And this is the goal what we have. Uh, and we are working quite hard on that. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the next, next one. So, Jesse, in addition to what was mentioned, so could you please also highlight a few practical applications of Zika's technologies that you or you as a team are particularly proud of? That's not an easy question because uh, I, I would say maybe I will speak about the project that I really loved and explain to you why that more than be proud of, of something. So I think I can speak about two main topics. So the first one is related to a project we have with main uh, OEM manufacturer of, of trucks and so the trailer. And uh, they had a project to say, okay, what we can do better in our truck, in our trailer, to save weight and to save energy and to be more sustainable. And uh, we had the chance to be involved from the beginning because the relationship with this customer was extremely good. And we really started from a white page. Okay, that's a trailer, what we can do better. And everybody has a lot of ideas, the customer, some external consultant. And we as Sika, we, we also uh, put some idea on the, on the table. For sure, we are not truck engineer, we, we cannot design anything, but we have our background, we have experience in rail, we have experience in a lot of, of things that we can maybe just say, okay, this is what we saw in rail, can we do that in, in, in trucks? And uh, this is what we did, starting to have a look to the face of the trucks, to the spoiler, and even to inside the dashboard, the seats and everything. And step by step, we, with the customer, we define what can be done. And the main idea was to remove as much as possible metal because it's quite heavy. You, you know that, uh, like me. And to really use what is required. So, for example, in some places, we thought, okay, let's use here some composite, which are quite tough. But uh, for the cosmetic aspect, uh, maybe we can have something even lighter. So let's use a, a nice plastic to have a shiny aspect. And so we can remove the paint behind so that's a huge progress for the customer in terms of money, but also in terms of COV emission. And let's also use some honeycomb in some places to, to have something stiff that's coming from the more than the rail industry. And step by step, so we define a list. And so we said, okay, let's change the spoiler design, the front design by combining composite and, and plastic and in some places honeycomb to, to get a, uh, something stiffer. And uh, we, we end up with the seat of the truck that was totally changed to uh, some uh, thermoplastic composite, so plastic combined with some uh, fibers. And uh, at the end, so we had to support the customer to do all the assembly because that's new material, that's material which are totally impossible to combine. Sometimes you can weld the plastic, but you cannot weld plastic with, with composite. And if you want to have the efficiency of the, of the honeycomb, you need to have a good structural bonding to, to transfer the load on an homogeneous uh, uh, way. So I think that was really one of the, of the most interesting projects we work on. And a lot of Sika people, we 
involved in that. So TS, the, some people thinking to the design, but also the customer uh, departments like uh, FEM uh, simulation to achieve something giving from the nominal uh, situation to what was uh, achieved at the end, a saving around 25-30% of weight, which is really a, a massive saving for, for these kind of things, thanks to this open mind collaboration. And I think that was really the, the beauty of this project that we, we all thought, starting from a white page and put stupid idea on the table and remove the totally stupid one, but and only keep the crazy one. And thanks to that, we, we, it was possible to achieve that, make first prototype. And let's say a lot of this idea and technology were implemented in, in, the, in the next year in, in some series trailers. So that was the first thing I had in mind. After that, I, there is also another, another topic, which is a little bit in another direction. So that's related to uh, electrical vehicles, so small electrical vehicles to, to, to use you know, in the city to limit the exhaust uh, on, on that we have everywhere, save, save a little bit of space. Here it was a different situation. The customer knows what he wants, so I have a design, but I have no idea how to achieve. And it was our job to, let's say, think about, okay, they want to achieve that, they have some dreams, and so let's make the dream happen by providing some good proposal to link all the material because they knew which material they want to use, they know the design, but no idea how to link that. And that was really our job to define, okay, what should we do to, to make this link, but also open the eyes of the customer saying, okay, you have a dream, but at one time you should have specification and know more what you want. We cannot decide for you what you want. And that was a terrible question because, okay, that's not our, our knowledge. We have global specification, but how to translate that in the bonding line, we don't know. And we as SICA, we, we cannot also do that. We are just, let's say, chemists and specialists of our product. And so here started, let's say, a, really a, a deep exchange to see how to define this specification, how to... Uh, have references and that was really uh, something extremely interesting to achieve something which is realistic at the end providing uh, something matching the functional specificities to have something safe working and durable but also uh, matching the process specification because you can have a fantastic concept of something very nice if you cannot manufacture at the right speed uh, that's a little bit useless and so that was all the step that we we follows involving the customer, external engineering companies. That was uh, really helpful for that. So that, I think, the, the second topic that I can share with you, contributing to something totally new, where there is a brilliant idea, idea at the beginning, and all together, the customers, the different departments, we work to achieve something which, has, at the end, is flying. Well, not exactly flying, driving, but, okay, you see what I mean. Thank you very much for very nice, practical examples. And I really understand that you love the combination of crazy ideas, but structured specifications <laughs> to combine your two, two parts of the reply. Yeah, dreams are nice, but we must be sure that it, it's happening. Otherwise, that's just a waste of time. Exactly. You need fundamentals, right? So on, on what to build. Even you are a bit humbled as you said, yeah, we are just people that understand the chemistry of the products and so on. I know that you know much more. So, I mean, I know how Zika is structured. So there's a lot of knowledge also what comes from the engineering part. But anyway. Being humble is also a very nice uh, character trait. Let's go next step. So, David, one of the key learnings from our discussion so far is that it's really an immense advantage to involve Zika as a development partner 
as early in the process as possible. I guess um, like almost everyone from you um, mentioned that. So that's all well and good and of course, but what's the best way to convince the customer of this to do that as early as possible? So what is your best practice experience there? I think the ones who have uh, participated in, in such a cooperation, they will want it again. So that's uh, our experience. So typically it's so that we do it repetitively with uh, some of our um, key accounts uh, across the world. What I think was, was mentioned by Piero and by other people as well, is the subject of uh, maybe bringing the different partners like uh, the company or from the material side have maybe uh, also defined partnership. I mean, uh, we work very often with NDAs, with uh, customers where then we can also have uh, open discussions about the project details and what they want to have. Otherwise, very often it, it stays a bit uh, secretive. Lumila, you mentioned the topic of uh, engineering capabilities, and I think that's really to be added also to what Jesse said about we know we know the chemistry and all this. Sika knows much more than uh, than that, and I think uh, for for many in the industry, we also have a bit the impression, or people have the impression that Sika uh, is Sika uh, Flex, which is for many out there, particularly in Americas. It's like uh, sealant, but Zika has an extreme footprint in the automotive industry and commercial transportation with engineered solutions, so with structural adhesives. We have extensive material cards. We have uh, an engineering team that is supporting our customers exactly in such questions that come out of uh, the engineering teams. And we have recently um, partnered with uh, Kalkbond, which is a startup based in uh, Hamburg, engineering company that offers a online platform for relatively simple adhesive joint design to help engineers to um, basically um, simulate um, adhesive joints in their designs. Now, we are trying to uh, bring that cooperation into the discussion with, with customers also by Technology days we are doing uh, with many of them. Um, I have a team of uh, several people who are present out in the markets, uh, who are traveling to customers where we have topic-specific or project-specific workshops with customers. Uh, we will just have this week one here in Switzerland where actually a large uh, truck manufacturer is uh, coming to see us for their next cabin design to see what solutions we could integrate into that. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm constantly having some deja vus, especially when you mentioned like Zika Flex. Okay. <laughs> and yes, yeah. people outside there, believe me, it's high tech inside of Zika Flex. It's not just like low tech Zealand or something like that. Definitely not. Zika Flex is very strong brand. And it's, I mean, this is where also the consumers have contact with Zika. That's products you can, you can see in DIY shops, you can buy on Amazon. But we have a lot more and that's maybe a little bit more hidden to the public because it's much more in that B2B environment um, in the car industry, in the commercial transportation. Yes, it's definitely industry. in the B2B yeah. business um, a lot, now heavily. And especially, I mean, how diverse Zika Flex can be. It can be used for the direct glazing, but it can be also used for structural bonding and so on. So, but I stop here <laughs> because otherwise we can also do like a whole podcast just about that. So... 
And Piero, I'm a very, very pragmatic person. So let's run through an imaginary practical example. So imagine I'm your potential customer. So here I am. And I have a new project where I'm considering bonding as an alternative. I have developed a CAD design and I know exactly how my part should look like. And I know what material I want to use. So I know everything basically what I want. And I am coming to you and what steps happen next. Well, the, the first step is to try to understand what you want to achieve. And that means which type of technology are we looking at? Because that's the first big division you want to have. You want to see, again, if you need to join material with a different coefficient of thermal elongation, you go maybe more on the elastic side or you want to achieve something else. You go more on the performing rigid type of adhesive. The second part I need to understand is where do you want to put it into the process? And that's absolutely clear, as I was already telling before. And the third part is to understand if you need to bond the one part per minute or one part per, per hour or one part per day. Because if you look, I don't know, if you want to join hatches of a bus for luggage compartment, you need to do a certain number per day. If you want to bond a driver cab on a train, well, basically, it's take one day to bond more. Well, half a day, but uh, it's just one. You know, that, that is the type of thing. And that leads then to the discussion about which type of adhesive and curing technology you want to use. And then it starts the, the, the real stuff. After a sort of pre-selection, you want to start with adhesion tests on the involved substrate because you can choose the best adhesive in the world, but if it doesn't stick on that uh, substrate, well, you have no joint, and therefore this is the, the, the first point. And once that this is done, then it starts all the, all the part which has to be done, in this case by you, let's see, do you want to build a prototype and test the prototype? Do you want to get these type of things, etc.? So this is pretty much the type of process flow that uh, goes into a, a project, depending again from the nature of the project and all this uh, part. Yeah. And I imagine I'm coming from a startup company and you mentioned like, okay, I have to decide how many parts I want to build per day, per hour, per minute, whatever. And I said, okay, I'm starting. So let's assume I will have so and so many cars, for example, per day. And later when I would like to accelerate and to scale and so on. So would you prefer me to exactly know how I want to scale so that you know, okay, there will be much more units per minute or... No, is it not necessary at the beginning? It's at the beginning, it's it's nice to know, and that goes into uh, let's say the selection of a product which could be uh, let's say used in both type of scenarios. Of course, we don't want to run the first six months of production uh, and then have to change everything because now you need to ramp up. So this is uh, clearly where we we need to go. So that's uh, we try to go with uh, some modular type of things, if you want. You know, sometimes you can uh, decide to use uh, a one-component material just because it's easier and it's nice, and then later on in time accelerate it. Or you can start at the beginning and say, okay, I don't care. I just start with the accelerated adhesive, and then who cares if now I don't need it, I will need it in six months' time. So that is the point. But this is part of the, of the whole cooperation part, because if you are a startup, I may probably think that uh, you need some more practical uh, hints about the things, etc. It can go even into the direction of 
training on the floor, you know, there are a lot of activities that go around that. But this is really depending on a case-by-case project because there is no single recipe if you want uh, to, to do. When you mention startup, we will see maybe it's, it's really sometimes you need to do an additional effort to bring all the people up to speed about what you can achieve about that. I take that anyway with me that it's like not built in concrete, but uh, it's a highly flexible method. So I have just to communicate with you as early as I know it, and then it will be done. We have, to try, we have to try to just agree on the on the part, and then uh, this is quite uh, doable. As I was saying, the, the worst thing is to learn uh, near the end of the project that everything is going to change for whatever reason. That's mm-hmm. the, 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 the worst thing that can happen. But if the things are clear, then it can be handled. And now let's go one step further with this story. But now uh, this question goes to Florian. So imagine you are on the line with a product or when it comes to buses or trains. Now we all know that there are no lines, but individual production. So Zika product can be as good as it is, but there are still mistakes in the application, for example. So how much effort does Zika put into application support and training what Piero just mentioned and in technical service? A lot, <laughs> in a short word, a lot. So now it's 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 really quite different in which field you are are, are working. So uh, trains and buses, to be honest, not my field, but but for automotive, I I can tell you we have also these two different uh, groups. It means uh, especially for the OEM OEM product development is usually it's more or less also from the green field. So in a very close communication between one customer and, uh, and R&D to produce or to develop one product which fits more or less for the big volume. It's completely different when you go to, to the OES business. So the, usually the OES business is a little bit smaller, which means uh, you don't have one customer for one product. So that means you have to develop one product for a lot of customers. So that means the customer itself cannot be the specialist for the product, for the application from the beginning because he was not really involved from the very first beginning. It was nearly impossible in that case. So that means uh, really the, the support from our, our point of view and from our side is very, very important. And uh, especially Sika is very proud that we are really we are around the world with a strong team for the support of, of our customers in that case. So we always say we don't sell adhesives, we sell running lines. I don't take care about the adhesive in the end because when, we, when the line is not running like it should run, then we have claims, we have problems, we have uh, uh, the wrong Aging stock. adhesives and so on and Every, so on. Everything <laughs> like that. So we have just problems, additional costs, and in the worst case, so the next line will, will be changed completely or will go away from bonding. So in the end, we have to take care that it's working. And that means we have to start in a very early stage, which means a new customer, for example, which is not trade very well in adhesive bondly, joins that usually we invite them to to Sika, made some trainings uh, in in tech service show them a little bit technology but in the end so we are also the link for for the whole application which means we take care about okay get them in contact with the right uh, pre-treatment suppliers get in contact with maybe the right process guys equipment suppliers and so on and so on so really we try really to take uh, care about the whole project itself with the support and try to train the customer as good as possible to avoid any mistakes. 
the worst is like like Pierre before mentioned is when you are close to the SOP and say, hey, you know, we have to change anything. In automotive, it's nearly impossible to be honest. So when you have when you are on such a point, usually uh, it, the costs are much higher than you can ever earn with a product. That means uh, really you have to take care that it's running from the very first beginning, which means very intense training workshops, and you have to take care that your your customer in the end is really an unbonding expert in the end because in other case it will not work and this is really the approach from Sika so that that we are running around the world last week i was in japan for a workshop for a customer and if you have some troubles maybe i'm also in south america or i was once in india for just a simple line problem but the problem was simple from my point of view but for them it was nearly a big problem so in the end this is really the approach from Sika to be so close to the customer and uh, goes to the technology that we avoid these additional costs as good as possible and to avoid these mistakes. And actually, because I saw that how it works also behind the scenes, I can tell you that it's an excellent approach. Very, very successful. Now we have a question for Jesse. Here. So customers have very different requirements for the particular adhesive. So on the one hand, of course, they want outstanding performance. What else, right? So But on the other hand, also the involvement of as few harmful substances as just possible. So ideally, a very low carbon footprint. What is the strongest driving force still? Is it sustainability, like a nice to have, or is it a must have? I would say this is everything at the same time. You know, customers are very demanding for everything. So the minimum, of course, is to provide products which are complying with what they need. And uh, as Florian was mentioning, what they need is the part are bonded out in the way that they have to be bond, passing all the spec and are, and are durable. Also, regarding the, the, the process aspect, it's a must that we, we are complying with them. But on top of that, today, all the company are paying attention to the sustainability. So for us, it's really a must have. And first of all, it's a spirit inside the company. We are really paying attention to that on our daily life. So that's something we have regarding the trip, regarding the energy we are spending, regarding the way we are manufacturing. We are really going strongly in this direction to be as good as possible in what we are doing on a, on a daily basis. And we try also to do that, and we are doing that for our customers, means that if we can save a little bit of energy in their process, we will explain to them how to proceed And we will suggest maybe try to use this other product because you will have to eat slightly less your curing line and save a lot of energy. Or even sometimes when we are proposing some and working on new projects, the one I was mentioning before on these electrical vehicles, thanks to the possibility that we are offering, for example, we can remove one step, which is the, the pen shop. And because they are using parts which are already in the nice shape and the nice color and the nice glossy aspect. So that's a huge, a big progress. So we are really on a spirit wants to be as much as sustainable as we can, of course. But this is also in the solution we are proposing because they are by design saving some energy, saving some steps in the process of, of the customer. So yes, our products are for sure design with the less possible harmful raw material. We are complying with much more than the rich regulation. We, we are anticipating, we have people dedicated to that. And that's a big challenge for our chemists to design products which are 
as safe as possible. And you know that because you, you were working in, R, in R&D. So that's something we are asking to them. So that's, of course, what we are doing. And on top of that, we are also thinking on the solution we are proposing. Can we be a little bit better by removing a paint, a paint process, saving a little bit of energy in the process? And that's a part of the value add that we are proposing. Not only the performances, not only the, the, the quality of the process, but also having this in mind. I can absolutely 100% confirm, because I was working at the R&D, that everything that you just said is not just um, because it sounds so nice and it's like a greenwashing or something. No, it is absolutely true that Zika tries always to be as sustainable as possible and also takes into consideration more limitations than just what is, uh, let's say, uh, put from the government or from the rich side. Absolutely 100% true. You could not have been lying, right? So, I mean, you know that I, I know anyway how it's running. So. <laughs> no, no, no. And that's really, uh, that's, that's, that's really uh, something we, we, we have deeply inside us. And, you know, when you are working in a nice and Swiss environment, seeing all the mountain that we have around us, we, we know that we, we must be sustainable. You want to preserve that, we right? Want, of course. Exactly. That's important yes. for us. David, Zika wouldn't be Zika if it didn't focus on innovation. So during my Zika times, there was a lot of effort to promote innovative thinking and to turn bold and perhaps also yeah, very unusual ideas into real projects. Well, some years have passed since then. And how does Zika stay agile and innovative these days? How do you do that? I believe generally we do a pretty good job to uh, stay on track with uh, the market trends and also to understand where our customers have challenges in their future. So I think it's very important to understand uh, the future also of our customers, to understand and identify areas for, for innovation. What we are doing very often is we are building prototypes of solutions. Uh, we take them to the market, to customers. We uh, discuss with them about the added value of these systems, whether they can be easily implemented into production, whether they are supporting their desires for more sustainable solutions, um, faster processing, more durable vehicles, lightweight, we talked a lot. So that's what, what we um, normally do. Just to mention one example, um, we are right now um, launching a range of uh, solutions that are low isocyanate uh, products. I mean, we touched before the sustainability aspect. So Zika has invested some years ago already into a new manufacturing of uh, polyurethanes that allow us to reduce the uh, monomeric below the threshold that is requiring then the uh, safety training by REACH in Europe. So that's just an example how um, we are doing these things. And I think Zika is very well connected with the market, not just in Europe, uh, basically across the world. Through our local organizations we have in about 100 countries. Very good approach, actually, and I guess it's absolutely needed to stay innovative, to stay relevant, right? So, and Piero, now if we go back now to the brave and unusual ideas that we have just mentioned previously in the discussion, have you ever, or maybe also several times in your work, seen that a real product? was created starting from a coincidence, starting from a technical challenge that just needed to be solved. So let's inspire our audience a little bit with sharing these stories. Okay, by accident, uh, well, accident, I saw them more likely to happen in uh, 
research and development because normally we are not dealing to the formulating part. I had once a funny case that uh, I was uh, I had to use a product which was pretty much high viscous. I decided to be lazy. I put it into an oven and I forgot it there. And uh, after six hours, I went and I said, oops, I forgot it. I checked it and it was much better than it was with the original state. So at the end of the day, we developed this type of things and then we installed that into the production process. Not six hours, of course. I mean, we were looking at uh, what? And that was solving basically some production issues and was giving them even a better performing product. So that was the only accident I had. Uh, Sometimes you follow... Uh, crazy ideas, but more on the process side rather than on the product. I don't know, sometimes you do things that uh, is the famous saying, you know, the hornets, they shouldn't fly, but they don't know it and they fly. We did that, for instance, a sort of priming by dipping in special conditions, and that was follow-up directly between uh, ourselves and the customer with some, you know, canteen test, and then developed going further and further, and then going up to the to the real production side. And sometimes you take the opportunities which are coming from new de- development. Uh, uh, David was mentioning this uh, uh, new technology that we have for polyurethanes. And one nice aspect of it is uh, that uh, you can uh, lower or even eliminate plasticizers into the formulation. And the natural second step has been to, okay, can we look at that uh, to go and develop something that goes into the direction of use for plastic sensitive substrate, stress cracking sensitive substrate? And this is what, uh, for instance, we are working on on, uh, on a couple of, uh, of products which are into the final step of the development, let's put it this way. And that is the magic of the real life, right? So, and sometimes it even works out better than you expected it to be when it was planned. And Florian, there are always two sides to this story, right? So where there are technical solutions, there may also be challenges that have not yet been solved. What are the technical limitations of adhesive so far where you would also recommend switching to other methods even today? So perhaps also certain materials that you would like to mention in particular? Yeah, this is always a not so nice story. <laughs> But in the end, it's a very important one because, um, you know, you, you have this education uh, method in, in Europe right now. So he's this European additive bonder, specialist and engineer. And you always have this slide advantages of, of adhesives. And it's always really great stuff. But in the end, it is... You have also this slide with disadvantages. And for me, sometimes a C-slide is more important than the advantages because, go back to the first question, we talk about faith, about trust. So you really have to know, okay, what is the limit of, of, of bonding? What is the limit of adhesion? And then you are living in a much better way and you trust the technology more. So finally, you have still the topics like uh, when you have some their appeal strengths, which should not belong there due to the design of the part. Not very nice for adhesives in the end. This will never be a different way. Or when especially the designers forget that we need usually some, some area to have this, this bond. That means we need really some area around. Ah, you, you also have lost. So in the end, you will never get a smooth stress distribution in a small area, especially not when, the, when you have three-dimensional loads on it. So every time when the designers are not starting from the very first beginning to think about adhesives, uh, it will come to a limit quite fast. 
in the end, for sure, also thermal uh, topics. I think it's not a big surprise that when we talk about 300 degrees C, might be difficult for polyurethane. So you have uh, for sure always, especially when you think now about the batteries, um, when uh, they get on fire or something like this. So they really have to think about, okay, what can you do to overcome this, this limitation or which uh, additional joining you need. So a hybrid joining, for example, that you add some, some rivets or some welding points. So there's always some problems. Chemicals, I think we're on a good way to withstand a lot of more, but when you think about uh, battery acid or something like that, this is still something which is quite hard for, for an adhesive, because in the end adhesives are, in our case, 99% usually are or organic uh, products. So when you come with some solvents, you will always have borderline applications there. So in the end, this is really this uh, are the, the the standard topics. What you know, I think more important uh, is really when you go a little bit closer and you say, okay, let's come back to for example polycarbonate bonding. So is this really a limit for adhesive bonding joints? I would say a fifty-fifty. Because uh, you have always this stress cracking situation on polycarbonate. So what was the solution in the past? There you worked with coatings, this double layer primering and, and all that stuff. And in the end, you come to a solution which works somehow. And everybody says, yeah, not perfect, but it, it's working. But exactly these are the topics to see the limitations and to think about, okay, what can we do else that uh, we can save the process, the process itself, and but make the next step forward. And this is also this perform technology, what, what David already mentioned with the slow monomeric uh, NDI, because this technology has not only the sustainability effect, it has also some nice side benefits, which means we can bond with this type of adhesives without any pretreatment, without any plasticizers uh, on, on, on polycarbonate. That means with this new technologies, with a new idea, we can really reduce the limitations to, to the typical ones, which everybody should know from the six, seven, eight points. And in the end, you are also there to solve the technical limitation and technical challenges of your customers, actually. So otherwise, what the point of uh, all this development? <sighs> absolutely, absolutely. You have to be definitely honest to your customer because uh, when you are talking about an, 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 an application where uh, bonding is, is definitely not the right way to go forward, or even if it is uh, really a product which Sika is not really famous for, then we also have to say, hey, sorry, this is not a technology. This is more from this electronic business, from the small parts bonding. This is not in the portfolio of seekers and we have to be honest to the customer in this case. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you mentioned that already previously, like building trust, that is the key for that. So otherwise, okay, if you say everything is just rosy and your product is uh, excellent and can do everything, um, no. Yeah, but also the sustainability Hardly. approach. So in, in the end, we also have to discuss with the customer in a quite open way because in the end, uh, it doesn't help when our adhesive itself has a very high sustainability level, but we can't have the full performance anymore. That means uh, when our customer can use with an adhesive, which has the sustainability effect from more or less zero, but we can bond uh, 90% recycled polypropylene with this adhesive, then it's a big benefit for the customer and for the overall sustainability. Because when the customer has to use a fresh PP or, or a lower recycle content, then finally, uh, when you sum up the sustainability of the whole project, 
then you will have a negative impact. So this is also part of, of, of us to say, okay, really, what is the limitation also of sustainability in adhesives, where it doesn't make sense and where not. So in the end, the goal has, has to be really that uh, a part in the end, not, not the adhesive, not the, the, the substrate, so that the part itself is as sustainable as possible. And this mm -hmm. is the goal what we have. And now let's go quickly back to the innovation topic that we had. Jesse, of course, innovation don't just have to come from within your own company. So are you a seeker also constantly scouting for innovations in other areas, especially in startups? And if so, how does it work exactly? Well, first of all, I think it's important to mention that we are doing in Sika really a strong effort to develop a lot of new technology. So it was mentioned just a few minutes ago that we, we were able to reduce strongly the level of MDI in our polyurethanes. And we have a lot of other patented technology that we developed in Sika, like the cure by design, which allows us to, to solve a lot of negative point of, of the chemistry. So having something, now we have something giving comfort to work and, and, and curing extremely fast, for example. Or we have our in-house toughener. We have a lot of fantastic things that we are able to, to develop. But for sure, to do that, we need to have some inspiration. So we are working with universities. So that's something quite important to, 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 to exchange with, with, with them. So we have partnerships. To especially currently without entering too much in the details, but we, we are working with some universities to access to, uh, let's say, new way of developing the adhesion on some specific difficult to bond material. So that's uh, something which is important where we are active. And of course, SICA uh, is as a policy of expansion through uh, acquisition that could be and including companies that uh, having technology that we, we don't have. Though. So that's really the full package that we have for innovation, in-house development, which is extremely, uh, extremely important, collaboration with university to collect and build the stone or manufacture the stone that will help us to build the wall of tomorrow because we need to have these stones and the formulator behind in our lab will use this stone to build a wall. The wall is a product and the stone are the molecular that we, we will have to, to, to use. And that's also, uh, that's based on, let's say, being aware about the last technology that we have in university and uh, getting the, 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 the right partnership with them. And of course, we can see uh, small companies, new companies uh, having new, uh, new technologies, uh, especially for the area of uh, Uh, developing uh, good adhesion with uh, substrate or sometimes being able to remove this adhesion. That's something that can be uh, helpful. So that's, let's say, the, the global things that we are doing. We don't want to neglect any possibilities to develop the right product for our tomorrow customers. Very nice that you, uh, let's say, build that very open-minded and uh, that you try to find all the kind of innovations everywhere, be it universities or also small startups and so on. Now the next question is for David. David, is there a technical challenge or challenges in your everyday life where you would be highly interested in sharing and exchanging existing knowledge and let's say in building partnership in order to learn together? So what would those challenges be? I want to go back to uh, what Florian said about trust, building trust for adhesive bonding. I think one of the biggest challenges we are facing is really to make uh, the masses of uh, engineers out there um, familiar with adhesives and that they are trusting into that technology. 
I mean, we see that uh, programs for mechanical engineering at universities, they are heavy on um, the traditional fastener technologies. Adhesives are maybe mentioned a bit, but they're not like that deeply documented and uh, included. So yeah, if somebody has a, a fast way of uh, actually building that up across the world, that would be uh, kind of the wish I have on my list. We are partnering, like JC said, with universities, particular for, for that scope to um, make people familiar with, with the technology. And that's also why we partner with uh, Kalkbond. I mentioned earlier that uh, online platform to help engineers simulating their designs with adhesives in a more easy way. We have seen that in many cases, the large companies who have their own engineering departments, they are having limited resources. So it's very difficult to actually do once a feasibility of a certain structure. And as soon as they would go external, you talk easily about the five-digit number of investment. So that's very often then a limiting factor. And that's why we try here as well to partner. And uh, we are very open for additional partners, universities, people who could help us there. So now uh, for our technical audience, so you heard that Zika is very open-minded and interested in sharing knowledge and exchanging what is existing there about bonding and so on and moving things together. So please get in contact and you can all change the world together. It's much, much easier and yeah, would support also the vision what David has. So Piero, let's also talk further about this kind of collaboration. So after all, one is rarely a single player. So which collaborations is Zika particularly proud of and what is the shared vision? Well, uh, there are different cases. Uh, I mean, David mentioned earlier Eversum in, uh, in Slovenia. Basically, it's an Austrian-Slovenian company. They are building e-train, e-shuttle, e-city buses, And all of them is based on a modular concept. The point is uh, they were not really so familiar with the whole bonding processes, etc. And the through cooperation with them, we brought them up, up to speed with the use of different technologies. So if I look at the palette of technology they are using, they're using elastic adhesive, silane terminated polymers and polyurethanes. And that's already for, as a starter. Then they're using some uh, structural Uh, acryl acrylate, methyl metacrylate for some applications on uh, GRP. Then they're using some special two component ac acrylics for very fast small bonding. They are even using uh, lamination adhesive for the floor bonding. So the, basically quite a wide palette of, uh, of products uh, over there. And this is uh, something that I think both uh, the companies appreciate. Another that I'm quite happy with uh, is uh, Volvo Eicher in India. Volvo Eicher, uh, they were needed to do a glass bonding, but they needed to do with uh, a semi-automatic system and accelerated. And that brought the challenges a little bit to a higher place. Because, of course, our colleagues in India and the Indian customer, they are not so used in the, in the need of accelerated adhesive. Uh, that's normally not very required there. So we uh, work in close cooperation between ourselves here in the corporate organization, our technical colleagues in India, the customer Volvo Eicher, and the developer of the system for the application. And we work together, despite the, 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 the distance and everything, pretty much from the beginning to set up the proper application part. 
and that lead then our uh, one of our experts in the application system to go to India at the startup of the part. And then in a second phase, a little bit later in time, I was going there for you know, on a business trip. I took the chance to go there. And then it was like a fine-tuning of solving the small issues they had. Uh, they had some issue because their engineers not used to bonding glasses were quite optimistic about the, the amount of adhesive to put on the, on the glass. And therefore, you know, it's just a discussion of uh, how to do it without having some other troubles, and that's where uh, we went. So these two are quite nice examples. Very nice range of collaboration, actually. And now let's look into the future. So, Florian, what collaborations would you like to see for Zika in the future? So where would it be great to have more technological partners? And we are also known, you know, for sometimes like finding interesting partner combinations to our knowledge exchange platform. So what are you looking for? What is your wish list? <laughs> Good question. So in, in the end, when you when you start on the wish list, you, you have to know that we are really coming closer and closer to a border what uh, Artesis can do from the mechanical point of view and from the artesian point of view uh, and we come really close to that so we are come to really a specialized system and uh, you know in, in automotive and as well as in industry usually the the cohesive failure is the only thing what you really accept so that means even if you have enough load even you have had a very reliable uh, artesian so they don't accept any artesian failure Completely different, for example, in air and space, where they say, hey, come on, as long as the value is, is always the same and the, the reliable value is, is, is really there, so they are living also with adhesion failure. So, but now we have to live with, with that big topic, cohesion failure, and this means really uh, how to go forward with pretreatment. And this is something uh, what I want to see in future a little bit better in a collaboration. Because, as you know, like physical pretreatment. So uh, a few years ago, I think 15 years ago, when the, the plasma is becoming more or less the standard, uh, yeah, what, what are the next steps? So it's, it's, everybody knows when you work with, with the universities, when you really talk to the suppliers, you know, you have a lot of more possibilities with plasma or with other pretreatment systems where you really can work, especially on, 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 on some plastics, on some PP grades and something like that. This would be a really great opportunity to get the last 5 to 10% out of the adhesion, really to make everybody happy with quite modern systems. Because right now, uh, yeah, talk with Plasma, 99% are, okay, uh, distance of 10 millimeters, speed of 10, and that's it. So it's, it's very, very simple. So we have a lot of more possibilities there, as well of all these uh, automation topics for, for Primer, for example. So primer application is still a very manual topic also in automotive so really a lot of companies are doing this still by hand but you, everybody knows what the worker situation is right now and there is also there the situation that you have always some companies who say yeah i have an idea i have an idea there but this is always this is a marathon this is not a sprint and this is right now also here so what i wish is really a partner there who really goes the marathon with us to say hey this is a solution This is working on a, on a eight hour shift with all the breaks on a long term. Of course, in the short term, everybody can do it, but really on a long term, you can make this happen. These are really for me, though, these two drivers, what is especially for this plastic bonding topic for, for automotive project is the most important right now to really get this five to 10% final performance out of the adhesion from the 
pretreatment side. So once again, for our technical audience, you heard the wish list. So if you apply to at least one of the topics, then please get in contact. You can do that directly also via us, let's say, whatever you prefer. But yeah, let's make the collaboration happen. And now, Jesse, you've recently also been involved in a cooperation project starting really from zero. So it's not just the technical aspects that lead to success or failure of a project. So what are your top three recommendations for making a collaboration successful? What would you choose? Well, I think... First of all, you have to be open mind. So you have to start by listening and understand the full story and never consider that you know in advance what to propose and how to handle. Because even from if in the first approach and from outside, you have the feeling that this is something you know, that's just repeat what you, you already did. No, that's not true. You must start by listening and understanding. It would be my, my, my first mode. Second point, I think it's extremely important to involve all players from the beginning in a, in a project. So it means that I can give you an example. A usual mistake could be to uh, remove or to not consider the after sale or the repair of parts. And uh, that would be a mistake because it has to be included from the beginning because it can lead to very complex things behind. So that's an obvious example. But from the beginning, put around the table the people who design, the people who manufacture, the people who sell, in order that you are sure you understand everything and don't discover at the end of the project that something has to be changed. As Florian mentioned, it could be a disaster. The third point that I would like to mention is that don't never forget that the devil is sitting in some details. And this is why to take care of that, you always need local people in a, in a project. So sometimes from far away, we can, we can design, we can explain, we can support. But This is why Sika has a strong footprint around the world, is to be sure that we have local people that can bring their value in the project. For sure, you, you don't have to lose yourself in all details. It would be totally impossible. This is why in a project, you need to have a careful analysis and identify where you can have some big hurdle and see what, which details are important and the one that you can, you can forget. So that would be my, my third, let's say, point to answer to your question. So to summarize, listen and understand involve all the players from the beginning and pay attention to the critical details thanks to a local uh, local footprint. Amazing. Actually, I wrote it down because I wanted to make a summary, but you just brilliantly made it. So anyone who has listened to at least one episode of our podcast, the people know that at the end of our technical and strategic discussion, we always end the podcast with some live wisdom from our guests. So after all, it would be really a great shame to have brilliant guests like you in the front and not to learn from them. So will you please share with me and with our audience your life motto and the short story of how exactly you came to it? So who would like to start? Maybe David again? Yeah, I can start. Um, the story has a bit to do with my two years of China. My motto is uh, strive for progress and not for perfection. What I learned very much uh, during my two years of China is that uh, people are trying. They may fail, they try again. They may fail, they try again. And at the end, they are reaching the target. That impressed me very much. I mean, um, out of the European culture, it's maybe not that much in focus uh, to try and error so, so often. But that allowed me also to uh, become more agile in, in things we are doing in uh, our daily life and, and the business. 
And you know, there's research about happiness and actually it says also that progress is much more important for happiness than just like a current state of mind, like, oh, there's kind of perfection that you reached. It would be boring. <laughs> so Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's fun to see progress uh, in, in all kind of activities and also try to go to talk to customers without having the perfect product ready, which is maybe then not fitting the application so rather talk early and shaping it together and right adjust and yeah and piero what is your life motto and what is the story behind it two words six letters why not i mean this why is, not? <laughs> this is coming basically from uh, experiences especially in the past uh, when it was uh, having to solve some challenges and why not follow some uh, unexplored road that was a little bit The idea. Then, with uh, age, I became probably a little bit too, little bit more savvy, but it's still quite a good, a good way to intend uh, the, the the technical aspect of this type of uh, work. Do you go on hiking trips or something? I mean, is it somehow related uh, to your free time and um, let's say no, going I, the unbeaten tracks? I do something else. <laughs> let's say <laughs> motorbiking around in different places in the world. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's the the, the the thing. But again, more in the past. Yeah. Anyway, why not? Love it. <laughs> Amazing. Now, Florian, what is yours? Uh, it's quite simple. Uh, stay optimistic. So, of course, in the, in the end, uh, which is 100% sure, is that the next catastrophe will come. So, uh, so, at least you have really a good time before it will come. So, why not stay optimistic? Because the pessimist and the realist, yeah, he will face the same catastrophe, but in the time between, he has much less fun. So, it's... <laughs> It's really like, like, like that. And in the end, this is, uh, I think, for, for every engineer, so especially when you are a mechanical engineer, you know that you will never have a, a, a really a project in your life as well as in the job where not on some certain point you're sitting down and say, ah, okay, that's it. It sucks. But, but, in, <laughs> but in, the end, in the end, when you say, hey, the, the, the smart guys say, hey, realistic is such a good way because you're not surprised when the catastrophe will come. I say, okay, but hey, you are surprised anyhow, even if you're prepared for that. So why not have a good time before? Exactly. And afterwards as well. So no? Stay yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you start always from scratch. Yeah. And now, Jesse, what is your life water? What is the story behind it? Well, uh, it's, it's not an easy question because that's not something you are thinking like, okay, what is my motto today? But, uh, or my life motto. But uh, thinking about this, I think what I would like to say is that uh, the achievement of tomorrow is starting by fighting the doubt we have today. I think that's quite important and connected to my personal life. Well, I would say 15 years ago, I was not able to do anything with my two hands. And today I'm able to to build a shelter from just basic woods uh, inside. I can uh, establish uh, a new pinball. I was able to buy that, uh, to manufacture that from scratch uh, by buying electronics on the left and the right. So no, don't think that things you cannot do it, just uh, it is in your mind. So what you can do tomorrow, it's a lot. And just have no doubt, just start to, to walk and do a first step and a second step and you will see where you finish. But at least, as David was saying, you progress and you achieve few things and that's already good to, for your happiness. Actually, you know what? It all fits together, right? I mean, like the achievements of tomorrow are, let's say, the fighting the doubts of today and stay optimistic knowing that the next catastrophe will come. So what? No? 
And why not to try anyway? No? <laughs> so, and better strive for progress, but not for the perfection. So it's all fitting. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you very much for the technical discussion, for the strategic business discussion, but also for the life wisdom that you shared with me now. And of course, with our audience as well. Thank you, Ludmilla, for hosting us and giving us an opportunity to uh, do our first podcast. So maybe we do more. <laughs> we will There's see. always the first one that starts and then you will be the star of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Ludmilla, thank you very much really for, for, for the time and for the possibility. And uh, thank you for not uh, stopping me too early. <laughs> I was trying not to. It was hard. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Ludmila, and especially for you. Uh, you were have uh, you were having four unexperienced guests over this discussion, so that was a little bit challenging, especially at the beginning. Uh, so thank you for that, and I would like to thank you as well to the listener of the future listener for the patience if they uh, listen us to the end. Thanks a lot, Ludmila, for spending time with us, explaining how to proceed. It was uh, extremely good. And thanks a lot for the, uh, the animation and the constant smiling that you have to support us in your, in your speaking. It was really, uh, really helpful, for sure. These small details that are making the difference. So I was mentioning earlier that the devil is in the details. And that's exactly one of these small details in this podcast. We are speaking to a black screen. That's horrible. But no, we are speaking to you. You, you, you have reacting, etc. So thanks a lot for this uh, professional uh, uh, aspect of the, of the exchange. Thank you for this kind appreciation. There are many ways to achieve a more sustainable future. There are many companies and innovative leaders who choose and actively go very different ways. Let's just not forget one thing. No matter how different the ways are, the big goal is one and the same. See you very soon in the next episode.